Welcome everyone to another episode of the podcast. I'm G with me as always, Justin and Peter. Boys, we are hours away from the launch of the day one raid, Bow of the Disciple. We've been playing Destiny a lot this week. How are so we So much. So much. Um, I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there. I think Peter's probably feeling holly and jolly. Um, I am tired of sitting in this chair. <laughs> But uh, I'm excited. It's, you know, new raid day tomorrow. I got a curveball for you. I was deeply, deeply troubled. It was great. I was deeply troubled by some story things that happened. Oh, no. Were yeah. you now? Were you now? Yeah. I have, I have right. been shaken to my core. This is good. My I'm face excited. have been shaken. I'm excited because we, we're going to dive into all of that. So today we are going to talk about our reaction and thoughts of the Witch Queen campaign, which we all played at least three times. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we all played it three times. An awful lot. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're going to dive in today. Um, we're going to talk about the three things that we had to take away and I guess dive into Peter's newly shaken faith in, in the Traveler. I can't. I, this is going to be actually didn't know this was coming and it's going to yeah, be one of my Peter, favorite Peter, parts. Peter had this hidden. This whole time. So I'm very excited. Let's actually start there. I mean, let's why wait? Let's no tease here. Let's just dive into it. Peter, please tell the people, tell our one listener why it is that you are deeply troubled. So uh for those who, you know, aren't familiar, Destiny is a franchise that revolves around the traveler. Right? He gave all the guardians ghosts. That's how we respawn. And uh you know, in recent years, uh, there's been some curveballs thrown at the players on if the traveler is a good guy or a bad guy. Okay. And I have been staunchly pro big ball. That's what I call the traveler, the big ball in the sky. And he's a ball simp. Yeah, you could say <laughs> that. You could say that. And um, you know, this DLC really is putting the strain on that, you know, fate because uh, one of our most sworn enemies was resurrected by the traveler and uh, received the light. And that was kind of the big twist uh, in the story. And so that's really, you know, this is big. I mean, I can't tell you how much I've thought about this. Just stayed up at night thinking, oh, man, not not convinced that was the big twist in the story, though. It might have been for you. Oh, it was so, the big twist for me. I mean, that's I, I feel like that's groundbreaking, no? No, the so, big twist in the story was, I mean, obviously spoiler ahead, right? But um yeah. the big the the big twist in the story was and at least for me, was that little cutscene with um the worm familiar when she was still when Savathun was still Sathona on Fundament. And the worm familiar's talking to the witness, basically saying, Hey, we're gonna trick them into thinking that the traveler is not coming to save them is actually coming to kill them. And we're going to get them to go to the deep. That was the big twist. I felt like, uh, yeah, yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Except for the fact that, you know, again, you know, how the hell did the hive get the light? I just, it just boggles my mind. Traveler gave it know? to him home. I know. So and I, I'm just I, thinking, I, I, Big ball. I'm just I'm I'm worried about some of the decision making, you know? <laughs> so Peter, what I have to ask you here at this juncture is, and I'm assuming you know a lot more about the lore and history of the traveler than I do, but the traveler has a history of giving the light to other races. It's not just the guardians, right? The fallen had it, right? 
Um, that's why we call them the Fallen, you know, and not, yeah. I, mean, I guess now it's not PC to call them Fallen anymore in game. Uh, but like that, that's the, that's why they were called that is because they were, uh, the, you know, Traveler had, were with them before. So I, I guess like to me, it's not a big plot twist that the Hive could have received the light and Savathun and her siblings could have received the light. Traveler doesn't apparently care too much. Yeah, so, well, I mean, that's that's kind of the big thing over the past year is, oh, that, is that you know is that the revelation itself is that you're 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 that's the the part that is mind boggling. Well, we started off with the the redemption of Aldrin, and that's like you know that was a big plot point over the past year is like, hey, this guy can be redeemed from the Traveler, but now we're getting into a little shakier territory where it's like, you know. Travelers given the light to things that are still actively anti-guardians and anti-traveler. Like I'm just look, look. Bottom line is, I'm just worried, guys. I'm just I care about the big so, ball, and I'm just worried. So, Peter, I watched, and I'm I'm interested in your take on this. Um, I watched a Bife video that was like, "Hey, I'm going to recap what these you know revelations from the Witch Queen meant to me." And this is not really about the Witch Queen, but I'm going to tell you, like the way he finally described the whole light versus dark saga, which is like it goes back to the flower game, which yeah. is the gardener, a.k.a. the traveler, the winnower, a.k.a. the darkness, right? Um, or I guess the gardener, a.k.a. the light. Anyway, um, they play this game where like they simulate creating things and, and the traveler's whole deal is I'm going to create as much life as possible and get it to thrive. And the widower's whole deal is no, like the life that's obviously not going to make it. We need to like cut that off because that's just needless suffering. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I'm not so anti that, like that thought process. Oh, shit. Oh, I wish you hadn't (laughs) said that, man. I mean, we're going to have our like civil war moment pretty soon here. I feel like. That's gonna be tough. An in pod, an in podcast civil war. I mean, I don't, you know, I wouldn't even call it a civil war at this point because it sounds like most people I know are anti-traveler now. So, I, so here's the deal: I don't necessarily think that you must like. I'm not anti-traveler. I'm just. I don't think the fundamental belief of at least the winnower is he's laid out in the, or it is laid out in the lore and like its motivations are inherently evil. Hmm. So I guess what I would say there is like, it's a simple, it's a slippery slope to the definition of, Oh, this life isn't going to make it a hundred percent. You know what I'm saying? Like that's where, that's what would give me pause. Cause I think I would tend to agree with what you're saying. Like why, why have needless suffering and all that? But, Who's defining? Well, so what in theory, is... like they understand how the world works and what is going to work and what isn't going to work. Um, I don't know. It I'm not enough a of a lore nerd it, to have a deep conversation down, about well, this. I don't. I don't think you need to be right, but I, I think the way you defined it is the black and white of the, the the position of like the witness versus the traveler. So it's it comes down to who do you trust? I mean, who who are you who are you trusting? I I for my part, if I'm putting myself in like my my quote guardians mind space right to me it's like 
I'm not the ball simp that Peter's guardian is. I mean, I, 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 that breaks my heart. (laughs) I, I, you know, I would like to think that I have free will in this universe, right? I'm going to do what I think is right. And what I think is right probably will 80, 80 to 90% of the time align with what Peter thinks is right. But like, I will use the darkness. Like, I don't care. Like I, if it's a tool that I can use for good, the good of my fellow guardians and the, the last city, I'm going to use it. Well, I'll, I'll, yeah, so I'll just thing, summarize right? like, this, you know, pretty quickly here. <laughs> I, I, I am, uh, I like circles more than triangles and I'm worried about the circles. Okay. <laughs> how, all right. How but much? listen, I have a legitimate, I have a legitimate question for you, Peter. Yeah, yeah. So our, you know, anybody who's listening may not know this, or maybe our one listener does know this. Um, but, uh, you know, Peter, you're very anti-stasis. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But here's the thing. If a guardian is using stasis to freeze and shatter the hive, is it inherently bad? Yeah. But why? I mean, it's, uh, because, isn't it, because like, isn't it's, it, you're, you're letting yourself get buttered up by the darkness. You're, you're basically saying, you're saying it's, you're saying it's, it's the gateway drug of elements. Exa- exactly. Saying. That's the perfect way to say it. <laughs> so do you think, uh, Justin, I have a serious question for you. Do you think Peter eats a pizza, like the whole pie at once? He won't eat the individual slices? No, Peter, a hundred percent goes crust first. <laughs> There's no question <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> He just buys the pizza rounds, and he only eats those. He won't eat the triangle slice. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, it's only it's only um, what is it? Uh, uh, pizza bagel bites. That's the only thing he'll eat. This is uh, yeah. this is deeply problematic, <laughs> given that I have established a routine of eating whole circular pizzas in the past year. Yeah, I don't do the little. Right, so- you know, I I forget what they're called. Slices. So they're called slices, slices yes. Yeah, slices. Peter Peter cannot eat pizza in New York. It's impossible for him to go to New York and eat pizza now. Um, all right. So Peter is definitely all right. So getting back to what we're trying to do overall here. Yeah, the top we're three we're things. ten minutes in. Let's get back yeah. to the actual show. Yeah. Well, no, Peter, so that I feel like that was Peter's first thing. He is deeply troubled about the direction of the story I uh, as it relates to the ball and his faith. And all I right, love so that what, you're invested in it. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean yeah, that's no, like, I was so invested in the story this time around, you know, and we'll we'll get into it. But that was one of my big, you know, yeah. that's my second big takeaway. It's like good. There were times there were times because me and Peter played through the campaign together for, for the most, actually, no, the whole thing. Yeah. The first time. And there were times where I could hear the trepidation in Peter's voice as things were unfolding. <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I was confident the entire time. I swear. All right. So Peter, that let's say that you being troubled um, is number one. So what else you got? What are your other two big takeaways from the witch queen campaign? I would say, um, my my other two main takeaways are that the missions were really long and in depth, and that's something I feel like we haven't really had until recently. With um, you know the uh, oh man, I'm gonna mispronounce it. Presage. Presage. Oh! No, I'm I'm no, I'm actually pretty confident. Presage. Oh right. yes. Yeah, I know. Those are <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, he's probably. So that was kind of a a big turning point for me because that was like, you know, a 25, 30 minute 
you know, very well written, very in-depth sort of mission. And it felt like every single story mission in the new DLC was basically, you know, just as in-depth and as well-rounded. More, more so. More so. More so in my view, right? Like, I think if you were to look at like, <clears throat> if you were to take the missions from the the new Witch Queen campaign, each one of those missions in old Destiny easily three or four separate missions, yeah. right? Like, mm. you know how every time you would go through those, there's like, there's what Bungie introduced was checkpoints, right? But like mm-hmm. they were chests, right? You get a chest, you double chest, you did a legendary, whatever. Each stopping point there, I think would have been an old Destiny mission, right? And in an old Destiny campaign, we would have gotten eight to 12 of those. And instead we got eight missions that are about the size of four old destiny missions. I right? mean, some of those missions are as big as a strike. Yeah. A bigger even. I there think there were strikes within mm-hmm. it too. You know, there were literally strikes in the campaign. When yeah. Gray strikes yeah. No, I think that was a good, really good point. Yeah. And then, and then my final thing was that I just feel like, and this is definitely, you know, a recent thing for me as well. The writing has been out of this world. I mean, just the dialogue between all of the different characters this time around, it feels like they've done the groundwork over the past two years to kind of set up all of this. And it's just paying dividends. You know, every second I'm hearing Sabathun talk, every second I'm hearing the ghost yep. have his doubts. Yep. I'm just like, oh man, that's, I think you and the ghost are on the same wavelength. Yeah, well, oh my God. The ghost was me and me and my ghost, man. How dare you Sabathun? You killed my friend. Yeah. Um, I will say, I think you're right. Um, you know, I used to go through Destiny not really understanding what I was doing other than just mindlessly shooting space aliens, right? I kind of lost the plot line for a while. And well, in fact, I don't know that I ever had it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I've definitely gotten it back. And I'm the kind of guy who, like, I go through, if I replay The Witcher, or Witcher 3 at least, I'm the kind of guy who literally will sit there, I, you know, it's hooked up to my TV, not my monitor. And so I'll sit there on a couch, and I'm the kind of guy who literally will put the controller down next to me while I watch a dialogue unfold. Right. Because like I'm that into paying attention to it. Um, And like for the first time in like the history of destiny, I feel like I I have the thread. I know what's happening. I know all the different pieces that are sort of um, that are that are moving about. Whereas before I knew like, okay, died. That sucked. Right. Um, And that was kind of it. Um, But like how all of the different forces back in Forsaken were working together, I had no idea, but now I actually yeah. do, which speaks pretty well to what they've done from a writing perspective. Yeah, I think it's important to remember that people who play video games, most of them, I would say 60% of them, do play it for the story. Um, there aren't many people you're going to go out and find who play video games solely just for the mechanics or, yep, you know, so on and so forth. A lot of it is just because it's, I mean, you know, there's lots of games out there that are built on that concept, like Assassin's Creed, for example, or yep. The Witcher. Um, yep. Those are built on the the thought that we're here to to experience a story. And Bungie has historically been good at uh, storytelling, um, either through the campaigns or through the lore that you can you can you know dive into. They have been good at storytelling, and you did see it on display in this in this campaign in a way that I don't think we have seen um, to this level in Destiny Two. Yeah. Like I would I would venture to say that the last time we saw this caliber of storytelling was in Destiny One, either with the Taken King 
Well, I would probably just say the Taken King. Taken King, maybe, right? But even then, I felt like I was just kind of mindlessly going through that, and I knew there was a big bad guy named yeah. Oryx. But, like, why was he necessarily so bad? I, I didn't understand. And I think the big way that they got us there in Witch Queen was the Altars of Reflection. Yeah, the memories. Right, like the going through Savathun's memory. That allows the player to understand where she came from which allows the player to understand her and kind of appreciate her as a, a character, whether she's a villain or whether she ends up being an ally, Peter, we don't oh, know. Um, but like, I, I mean, I think we never had any of that with Oryx. He was just a thing in the, that floated in the sky and, and threw stuff at us, yeah. right? Like we had none of that. But with Savathun, they have developed her as a character rather than, placed her in front of us and like, go read him about him. Go read about yeah. him if you care. Yeah, I think that segues really well to one of my top three takeaways, which was all the hype around Savathun, they delivered. Yeah, They delivered on the Savathun hype. That's yeah. hard to do. It's hard to hype up a character as much as they did Savathun and then actually deliver, and they were successful. To you, Peter, and Justin, you both talked about what the plot twist was for you, and I don't know if there really was a plot twist for me other than the move that Savathun had of basically setting it up so that because because when a traveler uh when the traveler like when you get reconstituted as a guardian or as you know somebody who bears the light you don't have memories but savathun made it so that we would we her mortal enemies would retrieve her memories and replay them so that she could see and so that she would regain them i mean what a chess move that is like to me that was if there was a plot twist for me, that that would have been well, it. and also um, uh, to just, just build on that real quickly, yeah. it was also the fact that like the you know hive god of cunning also was deceived, right? Like that was a cool twist that I yeah. wasn't expecting as well. A lot of twists, a lot of detective work, a lot of twists. Yeah, well, and I think yeah, and I think the story, I, I, the story, like I, I feel like there just wasn't any wasted part of the story. It, it was cohesive and it was compelling. And it got the point across, like Justin, you were saying, you didn't, you had the thread, and I feel like everybody had it. It has got to have it at this point, and and to be able to do that in a way that builds, you know, builds you to the point where you know where the story is headed, and it, and it being so well done, like I I think this was a, uh, I mean, it was just a home run of a campaign from a story perspective. Yeah, it's a big moment for sure. Justin, what do you have? for your takeaways i talked about one of mine so why don't you go with one of yours uh well let's start with the easy one um i mean it sort of relates to the story but not really like i thought they did a really good job with the legendary difficulty of the campaign and it's all i've played and so i don't know how the like the non-legendary turned out to be but i will tell you you know each one of those missions if you're cooking through those missions on legendary they were 30 minutes a lot of them were 45, right? I And like multiply that by what was it, eight new missions. If those had felt like we were in like, and I know they're only, they're called legendary for a reason, but if those had felt like we were in a GM the entire time, yeah. oof, you know, like it would have been real tough to get through. But they were a like- A few of them were though. There were a few missions that a, did. A few and that's, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. But like, it didn't feel like we were bulldozing everything, but it didn't feel like we had to like, 
you know, get ourselves up for like every single, you know, ready to fight for every single one of those missions. It felt like yeah. just enough. Um, and the fact that it scales with the number of people, so it's accessible to solo players, I think is really, really an, an excellent move. Um, I think they may have gotten the scaling a little bit wrong because I, I did a couple just two man and they were way easier than three, right? Like way easier. Yeah. Um, so I don't know that it's exactly right. Um, but the fact that they made it accessible to solo players, like they deliberately did that. The fact that the, the difficulty I thought was in a really good spot from a tuning perspective, I thought that was, that was very well done. Yeah. Me and Peter burned through a lot of it the first time. Yeah. It was and we're, him. we're pretty good. And <laughs> pretty some pretty good pretty guardians. good guardians um well i mean like what do we like it's clearly like even though I've, some parts felt way easier it's clearly about the same because there was one night i think it was some combination of all of us like three of us were going through had we all started five of us started the campaign at exactly mm -hmm. the same time yeah it was a group of two and a group of three and we all got to the sabathun part at yeah, exactly, exactly the, same, the time, same time right Ex now yeah. we struggled because it was late on the sabathun fight and we were tired and maybe that yeah. is harder with three people i don't know but we all got from zero to the end of the campaign within the i mean within within five minutes of each other i mean if that's not an indicator of balance i don't know what that's is. a good yeah, point that's, that's yeah point. for sure yeah i mean it, it just it just brought me back i to, think the only reason you know, um kind of Bungie's origins, which was, you know, the Halo campaigns, right? Long in-depth missions that had the right difficulty. And I, I think this is, I mean, yep. in my opinion, by far one of the best DLCs I've played so far. Yep. Um, the, my other one is the Void rework. Holy crap. <laughs> if they can pull off what they did for Void 3.0 with the other subclasses, I mean, man, I'm really excited for what they can do. Um, now, I cannot comment on the apparent brokenness of the Void rework in the Crucible because I don't play Crucible. And, and we won't. We, we won't comment And on we that. won't, thank God. <laughs> um, but I will tell you, man, like the your ability to do different things and build your character how you want mm. um, is, is really interesting. Every character that I like, all three classes I've played have been really interesting. I feel borderline unkillable as a warlock so running let, devour let's, yeah let's dig in here just a little bit because we are fortunate to have full class representation in yeah, this maybe. podcast um so i mean let's talk about it uh, uh, justin you go first on the warlock and then sure. i want to let's all talk about what what we feel about the void we rework on our chosen subclasses uh, so i think one of the coolest things is that child uh, for warlock is one of that is that child of the old gods uh aspect like we like shoot out like a floating tether and you know it can heal you and drain them i think that's a really cool concept but i also think like right now i'm not using it because devour and chaos accelerant are so damn good right mm -hmm. um now for anybody who's not you know paid attention really closely um you know, they're like, you can only proc devour now certain ways, right? So it's got to be an ability kill. Um, but it still, you know, refreshes when you get a normal kill. Um, and like, if you pair, so the, the, the build that I have right now is devour with vortex grenades with controverse hold, uh, as my exotic. So I'm like constantly getting grenades and I even have a, an impact induction mod in there as well so that I can punch something and get it back faster with like, um, the weakening, uh, fragment, I can't remember the name 
with uh, volatile flow, with elemental ordnance, with funnel web, the new SMG, which is bananas good. Like, I mean, things just explode in purple and it's so much fun and devours like reprocking all the time. I feel like I can't die. It is wild. It's borderline broken. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I I think, uh, I think the theme here is that, you know, um, defense and, you know, if you feel unkillable on Warlock, let me tell you, I feel unkillable on Titan. It's just overshield after overshield after overshield. And I can't tell you how fun it is to really feel like a tank, you know, because that's what I've been looking for for Titan in a really long time. And for a while, Warlock's kind of held that role with well. And man, I, I can't tell you how fun it is positioning barricades in certain spots so everyone gets over shield, you know, giving everyone bubble way more than just, you know, the old school longer, um, you know, longer charge time bubble. It just, it's really fun. And I think that's the big thing is it plays into the defense, you know, health regen, um, you know, sort of aspects of each class. And it's really fun. I mean, I can't tell you how freaking sick it is to just tank everything and just still be standing. <laughs> that's cool. Um, yeah. So I guess I'll talk about Hunter. Um, uh, I mean, it's the same, it's a similar concept. So, you know, Justin, you talked about how it's your, you're basically offense un, un, un unstoppable offense. Cause devour is allowing you to just take a bunch of punishment, bid deal out a lot more. And then Peter, you were talking about, you know, being a tank and, you know, you're not caring essentially about any, anything coming at you for the void rework on Hunter. The main thing that you are able to do is just go invisible at will. Uh, there's three ways you can go invisible now, and you, any and as long as you spec on enough discipline or strength, I'm sorry, not discipline. As long as you spec enough strength and um, mobility, you can have it up almost all the time. So you can use a uh, aspect called stylish executioner, which you know on certain uh, kills. Actually, I have to go back and read exactly how you proc it, but I think it's on precision kills. Um, in a certain scenario, you can go invisible. You can use your smoke grenade to go invisible, and you can use um, your dodge to go invisible. Playing that, and I started out, I, I you know, I played a hunter primarily, and I started out with that as a campaign. It was, it was so like it felt like the first time playing a hunter in PVE where I felt like I was a hunter because I was constantly going invisible to either get out of danger or to flank around to the back. Like Peter would go up just and he would be taking every all the punishment drawing all the attention and i would appear on the other side of the enemies and they're not even looking at me and i'm just taking them out before they have a chance to even turn um and i like that's how a hunter should be played like you should be kind of like skulking around the battlefield and like your enemy never sees you yeah uh and they're just dead and pairing that with with warm husk which gives you heal on dodge pairing that with um, Rither Horde and um, an auto-loading rocket. And, you know, I haven't even, like, really dived into fully specking out the the well builds that you can do on Hunter, uh, which I'm excited about doing. I'm going to do tonight because tomorrow is the day one. I want to be ready for that. So I think in general, just based on what we've said here, Bungie 
knocked it out of the park on the void rework. I think all the classes yeah. ha- have a sense that, and I think, you know, there's some, some conversation about how like on Warlock or on Titan, it's better for in game PVE as opposed to Hunter. And I don't necessarily disagree with that, but I think my point for Hunter is it feels like you, it feels right. Like it feels good to play PVE on a Hunter where I think for the last year or two, it hasn't really felt that way. Like when was the last time a Hunter was part of any meta? And I'm not saying they're necessarily part of a meta now, but, it feels good to play PV on a hunter and in somewhat hard content because the legendary campaign, especially the first time was, was difficult. So. Yep. I mean, at least as it relates to the void subclasses, it feels like Bungie yeah. has kind of given each class an identity, right? Warlock yeah, is sure. all about offense, despite the fact that with devour, I kind of feel unkillable, but Warlock is all about offense. Um, Titan is all about defense and Hunter is all about movement. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's awesome. Yeah. John Cena, basically that's the entire Hunter class. And then my, my third takeaway, uh, is, is a negative, believe it or not. Yeah. My third takeaway is, uh, RIP weapon crafting 1.0. It's not awesome. Already punting on it. Yeah. No, 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 not at all. Um, I just in its current form. Yeah. Mm. I'm not super interested. I am interested in none of the guns, right? Except maybe the, for the rocket launchers and of them, maybe really just one of them. Um, but like, I'm not wild about, um, the way that you have to, like, I've never, like one of the reasons I don't have a lot of XP in the game, like I don't end up, end up getting it, you know, really high season pass level is because I don't like bounty grinding and I don't like bounty grinding because I want to use the things that I want to use. Mm. Um, and so I don't really love the idea of having to use other guns to get materials to level up the gun that I actually want to use. I'm all for Bungie forcing me if I want to like, let's say funnel web was craftable, right? Um, I'm all for Bungie forcing me to use that gun, even a subpar roll of it to level it up and level it up and level it up so that I can craft it into the thing that I want. I'm totally okay with that. But to have to go use a scout rifle and a pulse rifle and an auto rifle that all dropped for me with deep sight resonance, just so that I can, you know, ultimately have enough materials to make this other gun that I want. Like I'm not. Like, I'm not super well, into that, and I don't like the guns that are craftable right now. I know they told us it was going to be a small amount up front. I know that more are coming, but, like, right now, it's just not doing it for me. Well, I think the the I think the truth here, I, I, I agree. I, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but I think the reality is if the rewards were better, you would even be fine with doing what they're currently requiring us, of us. I think if... Like if you could craft on a web, but you could only do it by getting deep sight resonance the way you could now, you would do it. I'm sure I would. I'd still be complaining about it, <laughs> um, but I'm sure I would, right? Like if right. I could make my 10 out of 10 funnel web today, um, yeah, I'd go use pulse rifles and shitty scout rifles and all that sort of stuff for a few hours or however long it takes to do it. And then I would use that funnel web to level it up and level it up and level it up totally. Yes, I probably would, but I'd still be complaining about the way that I have to go get this stupid right. materials um, that are required, let alone like let's that's ignoring the fact that one of the like the intro quests for the the new expansion forces you to use so many materials yeah. to craft weapons that you just don't care about um like i'm not into that either yeah 
I th- you know, I think it's like anything, right? Like hopefully they they will find a balance of of how to do this properly. Uh, and I think you even alluded to it when you said rip weapon one, crafting 1.0. You're hoping there's a 1.5. I'm 2.0. assuming that like, yeah. you know, like they have, they like, regardless of what the people on Reddit say, they actually have a pretty good like track record of listening to the things that players like and don't like and making changes. I get that fundamentally they are in the business of making our eyeballs look at the screen, right? Like, um, and making us play as much as possible. I'm okay with a grind. I just don't like the way they have designed this grind, right? Like if it's 10 hours of use the funnel web so that you can make it the the gun that you want. Okay. If it's 10 out, if it's five hours of use these other shitty guns that you don't care about, and then five hours of use the funnel web ultimately to make the funnel web, the gun that you ultimately want. I don't like that as much. I'm fine with the time commitment. It's how we get there that I don't like. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think for my final takeaway is I'm just going to tell you how this whole story is going to end. All right. All right. Little prediction. Mark your calendars, everybody. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Yeah. What's what's March 4th, 2022? This is what's going to happen. 7.48 p.m. Eastern time. Yep. This is what's going to happen, okay? This is is what Bungie is preparing us for. The Witness is going to come with um, one of these expansions, probably Lightfall. And... Us, Keitel, Savathun, and good old Misrax, we're all going to align, and we're going to take the fight to the witness. That's what's going to happen. And, I mean, I, I'm, I'm more... Conv- I kind of thought that initially, although I, I, before Witch Queen, I wasn't sure how the Hive would align here, but like after after the Witch Queen campaign, I am, I am convinced. Because at the end of the campaign, I don't know about you guys, but I actually liked Savathun by the end like I felt like I understood where she was coming from on some level and yeah, props I props to the writing team by the way for getting right. you there exactly like I, that's how I know the writing was good if, if you start feeling sympathy for the, the villain like that those are my favorite stories where that's that they are able to cultivate that so that's 100% what's going to happen in my well idea. how about gird yourself um, for this so Peter gird yourself you ready for, for this curveball gird your loins I think the exact same <laughs> thing is going to happen except those of you who use stasis of the darkness are going to be the ones who cause us to lose. And then we have to leave the last city. Mm. Well, you know what they say? If you, if you live long, that doesn't apply to me. I mean, it might apply to you. (laughs) That's Batman, right? That is literally Batman in, in, in the, not this current reboot, but the, the Nolan reboot. What's the quote? Because I'm pretty sure I messed it up. Do you do you know what it is? I exactly? don't know, but I know what you mean. Okay, yeah, I'm comfortable with that. <clears throat> I've never been a, you know, white knight. I've always been more of the gray, the dark knight, if you dark will. Knight. The dark knight, if you will. <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, yeah. So, I mean, that was my final takeaway. I, I think you guys kind of covered yours. I mean, is there anything else we need yeah, to discuss baby. as it relates to the campaign? No, man. We got a raid to get ready I'm for. I'm gonna think about spheres all night. All right. Well, yeah. I think <laughs> I meditate. You think meditate the synaptic the sphere. sphere shows if, if up there's any as like a weapon we use in, in the raid. raid somewhere? I'll be pretty pumped. I'm not going to lie. Like season of the sphere, that'll be my favorite season. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, you said no. sphere. Yeah, he said yeah. sphere. No, I, I was thinking said like sphere because that's sphere the artifact, artifact for the season. Not sphere. <laughs> All right, so I do have a I do have a question for you guys. We were talking about it earlier, but I'm going to ask you again here. Um, you know, they introduced that new public event in the throne world, which is like you like you escort very Overwatch. You escort the little like pyramid, which Peter no, I, I, I did pyramid ship. I'll let you do it. Somewhere. I'll let you do everything. That out. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, anyway, uh, bets on whether or not like that mechanic, the Overwatch like escort a thing, is going to show up in the raid. It would be so cool. I, there's, I, I, there's no way. Think so? I'm, I'm fifty fifty. Um, I, I kind of think they won't. I kind of think they said it was their most ambitious raid yet. I feel like we're going to see some mechanics we haven't seen before. Yeah, I got like, I don't know, this is probably just the eternal optimist in me and uh, and like the hype kind of kicking into overdrive, but I, I kind of have Ross, Last baby. Wish vibes Fingers for what Ross. might be coming. And I mean, let's hope, right? Like, I'm totally happy to not get I mean, a day gonna, one clear. We're going to do this raid 50 times, so I, I hope easily. so. I, I'm totally happy to not get a day one clear if it means that well, we're going like to get We're going to get the day raid. one. That's not a question. We're getting it. But uh, as Tony Stark... We're going to be one, as if it Tony is last Stark week, we're going to be say, one of the two as, teams. Hey, listen, one of my favorite quotes of all time is from a, literally yeah. a comic book character. There you go. And he said, why not have both? That, sure, yeah. Let's have both. Let's have both. I have Take so many gallons your, of milk Eat your Wheaties tonight, boys. Get good sleep. <laughs> it's going to be a long day tomorrow. Bro, I, have, I need to get my Hunter up to 1550. I still have yeah, work no, to do. I know. I'm like looking at Dim right now, and my Warlock is it. 1549 base. I still have to do my pinnacles though. Yep. All right. So let's get let's get to it. It was a quick one tonight, but we wanted to get our thoughts in before the day one. We'll be back. Shoot, I don't know. Maybe maybe next weekend um, with the recap of the day one. Hopefully, we'll have the rest of the raid team. Hopefully, they'll have better internet. Uh, we'll figure all that out. Take care. But uh, that's it for for this one. Adios, everybody. Thanks, guys.